Hello and welcome to the International Labour Organization's Global Business Network on Forced Labour's podcast. We are the Global Business Network bringing together businesses of all sizes and sectors and their representative organizations from around the globe to end forced labor. In this podcast series, we explore the role of small and medium-sized enterprises, or SMEs for short, in responsible business conduct. SMEs, together with micro-enterprises and the self-employed, make up around 70% of global employment. But their voices are often not heard when it comes to initiatives aiming to improve business conduct. I am Laura Green, the network's coordinator, and I will be talking to different people from across the globe to bring you their insights. Today, we are joined by Samuel Lee. Samuel is the Senior Group Human Resource Manager at the Wenken Group based in Singapore and Malaysia. Samuel has been working for the Wenken Group since 2006. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are talking about responsible business conduct for small and medium-sized enterprises. Could you tell us a bit about your journey in learning more about these issues? Okay, I obviously represent an organization that is in the pharmaceutical business. So fortunately for us, the pharmaceutical business down in Asia, it's in a way, it's highly regulated. So uh, it's already embedded that we would follow certain rules and regulations or good practices. So in the context of our organization, which is WENCAN, we have, as part of our DNA, adopted the practice of equity and good conscience with regards to how we operate with our business partners, our stakeholders, our employees. And uh, when I say employees, obviously, it relates also to our hiring of foreign workers. In addition to that, as part of our company's ethos or philosophy, we apply a simple rule called GET. G-E-T, which stands for gratitude, empathy, and trustworthiness. So in anything that we do, we always remind ourselves that we have to run our business in accordance with our beliefs and our values. So in line with that, then when we do practice recruitment, whether it's local recruitment or foreign recruitment, we always bear in mind issues like paying fair wages, providing good welfare, providing a safe workplace, and also abiding with the local rules and regulations in order to ensure that the safety and the wellness of our employees and also uh, the people that we work with, our business partners, are always preserved. Great. That's very interesting. So the local legal context playing a big role there, as well as your own company philosophy in the approach. That's right. And now, Samuel, I would like to look a little bit first at the wider landscape. I mean, as you know, we're still very much in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's had a significant impact on small and medium-sized enterprises. What are the challenges for SMEs in the current situation um, in Malaysia? Um, okay, in Malaysia, uh, particularly for us, obviously, like most organizations, we definitely were impacted by COVID-19. We were impacted in various ways. So I'll, I'll give some examples of how we were affected. Firstly, as part of the local laws, when COVID-19 happened in Malaysia, the government enacted a practice called MCO, which is Movement Control Order. So what MCO did was it put into place a lot of restrictions in order to ensure that the country and its people remain COVID safe. So for the employers like us, we were faced with issues like restriction on the deployment of our manpower. We could only utilize 50% of our manpower. Why that's so is also to ensure 
that there is social distancing in the workplace in view of trying to prevent or to deter the possibility of the spread of the pandemic. And I think from the employer's point of view, we were quite fortunate that from the top, we made a decision that although COVID-19 would cause an impact financially to the organization, we would bite the bullet and not pass down that impact to our employees. So what that meant was that we did not impose any need of the employee having to take forced leave due to the shorter work hours. We fortunately were able enough to continue to pay full wages throughout the period of the MCO and employees were able to still get their salaries on time. However, we were also posed with challenges like the provision of our resources, in this case, raw material, because obviously there was a major supply chain disruption. Some of the materials that are needed in the production of our medical products, fortunately, we were struggled with that. But fortunate to us also, we had some stocks in our warehouse and we sort of worked with what we had. And we were also very fortunate that our suppliers and our vendors were very supportive in trying to do their best in providing the resources that we need. Obviously, the company were also forced to do certain things that they were not prepared to do in the past. Uh, not prepared, not because we didn't have the resources, but I think the pandemic just came in such a sudden situation that we just had to react to it. So with the MCO implemented in Malaysia, we had to start to provide face masks and we had to make face masks wearing mandatory. We had to then also ensure that there were hand sanitizers in the lavatories, in the meeting rooms. So that was also a challenge, not in providing it, but really to get hold of face masks because everybody was trying to get resources of those hand sanitizers. Another challenge that we faced, obviously, in the workplace was to ensure that we had social distancing implemented. And that was really a challenge because there were some locations where or areas within the factory and in the office where, you know, the space wasn't just enough to accommodate such numbers of people. Um, that applied also to the hostels or the dormitories where we had to reconfigure the bedding setups. We had to make sure that we did enough markings on the lavatory and, and the dormitory floors so that employees or the foreign workers were aware about the social distancing and to keep a distance from each other. In addition to that, I think with the government imposing restrictions and prohibitions, we were also forced to abide with a very strict uh, SOPs uh, set by the government. We could not allow staff to leave the factory even to buy simple things like their meals. We had to find vendors, food suppliers that could supply food so that employees could remain in the factory while they were working and while they were on their meal breaks, they need not travel out because there was enforcement of lockdowns and if anyone was caught outside, they could have been you know, placed in a lockup and in prison if, 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 if it was proven that they had broken the law. Yeah, so, and in addition to that, we also had to step up cleaning, uh, disinfecting, and that was also a challenge because, like I said, we weren't prepared for it. We didn't have supplies of disinfectants and as we were trying to source for it and everybody was moving towards that direction, supply of it was really limited and I guess we also suffered like most other employers having to pay exorbitant prices for things that were in high demand. One other challenge to us as an organization obviously was also we did not have major budgets for what we said consider as uh, unforeseen circumstances. So this was an unforeseen circumstances that 
we did not set aside large amounts of finance or resources to cope with how we wanted to deal with it. And of course, during the MCO, people were concerned with their health. More and more individuals who had symptoms of COVID-19 or they sort of thought that they had symptoms of COVID-19 under the SOPs, they were required to see a medical doctor. So we also suffered in terms of people going on extensive sick leave, which also represented a impact in the cost of running the production lines because we had many people, unfortunately, away from work. So these were all challenges that we faced. In addition to that, we implemented work from home program, which included the people from the office and some people from the factory level. That itself was also a challenge because we didn't have enough IT tools ready. It was too sudden for us to get it ready, but fortunately, we were able to cope with it. And yeah, I think those were some of the challenges that we faced during the strict lockdown. Wow, very quick adjustments in a very short period of time. From the way you work to the health of your workers and your colleagues and as well as your supply chain. Yeah. <laughs> um, Samuel, so on looking back at responsible business conduct, how do smaller enterprises see responsible business conduct? For many large companies, we often speak of things such as the importance to the shareholders, driving investment, mitigating reputational risk. So what would some of these drivers be for small and medium-sized enterprises? Okay, I guess for most SMEs, Maybe I will speak in the context of our organization. Uh, I'm pretty fortunate that I work in an organization where are the employers very concerned about business in a sustainable way. So it's not just down to dollars and cents when we make decisions. It's also we will take into consideration things like employee welfare. We will take into consideration things like, are we doing something that's green, that, that reduces our carbon footprint? We will take into consideration things like, how does an action that we take in a business sense affect the community around us? So maybe to Put it in a nutshell, we always try to focus on protecting the interests of all our stakeholders. And the stakeholders in this context means, of course, the business owners, the investors, our business partners, which also includes our business associates, down to our employees and the local community within the areas that we operate. Obviously, with COVID-19, challenges did come in a very drastic and a very short and, and dramatic way. But that said, we had to focus on doing business, but in a safe way that still preserved the health of all our employees, despite the fact that we still wanted to sell our products and make profits from it. We ensured that all our employees were equipped with the right uh, PPE in this way. In this case, it could have been face masks, sanitizers. We had to do disinfecting. So these were a lot of the things that we had to cope in a very short time. But that said, I think the key message is that we ran our business in the context of trying to focus on how can we do business in a sustainable way that you know doesn't cause any harm to the people around us and the environment. Interesting. So very much focused there on the on the long-term sustainability and also on your, your community around you. Right, yes. And what do you think some of the challenges are for smaller businesses when it comes to implementing responsible business conduct uh, standards, uh, particularly looking, maybe focusing on forced labor, as well as achieving fair recruitment? Again, it would be great to hear from your perspective in your company. 
Okay, um, I guess for me, in the context of Van Ken, being an, a responsible employer and doing business in a responsible way, obviously it comes with various challenges. Uh, in fact, a myriad of challenges, but maybe I could sort of break it down into small parts. Firstly, I think the biggest challenge for an SME really is resources. Uh, resources in the context of financial. For example, I think in the past when I had a chance to speak to you, uh, I did explain that for recruitment, particularly for our organization, especially in the context of foreign workers, we do not run the recruitment via agencies. In this case, foreign worker agencies. We actually, in this case, me personally, I would fly to the source country and meet with the candidates and run the interviews and make the job offers personally. So to do that, obviously, the employer has to have some financial well-being in helping me fund my trip, being the accommodation, being the transportation inland until my return. So these are some challenges that perhaps SMEs may not be willing to do. Obviously, the other challenge that we feel is quite critical in ensuring that the practice of good and fair recruitment is done well is obviously support and enforcement from the local government and also the foreign government. To put that into perspective, I think no doubt we do hire workers from both Nepal, Indonesia, Vietnam. Um, these are some of the countries that we have had a chance to bring in workers from. Obviously, every, every, every country has its own rules and regulations. Malaysia obviously is one of the countries that wants to enforce good practices and ensure that foreign workers who are brought into Malaysia are well taken care of and their welfare managed. However, I think in terms of enforcement, what we feel could be done better or, or should be done better is the link between the local government and the source country government where some collaboration in determining or appointment of foreign worker agencies could help in removing any form of intervention that is unnecessary by the foreign worker agents. Uh, in this context, to be very honest, I mean, I am aware that a lot of the agents do charge quite a fair sum of money in order to bring in or to make an offer to an employee uh, in the foreign country before this person actually arrives. So even before this person actually generates his first paycheck, he or she may already have to outlay quite a large amount just to secure the job. So we have been propagating through the Malaysian governments, through the labor office, that there should be some positive collaboration between the Malaysian government and perhaps, let's say, the Nepalese government, where there is a joint ownership in terms of appointing good and trustworthy agencies so that we cut out the middleman. And by doing so, I think the employees that are being hired from the source countries can be less concerned or worried about you know, them having to outlay money just to, in a way, buy a job uh, in a foreign land. Then the other part of enforcement, I feel in the context of Malaysia, in the, the country of employment, could also be in monitoring and ensuring regularly that the employers do take care of the foreign workers that have arrived in the country. For example, perhaps doing regular checks at the dormitories to ensure that 
the conditions of how they live, the conditions of how they are provided residence are in a decent and, and humane way uh, because we do hear of some unfortunate stories of you know uh, a room being occupied by 20 people or more. So we feel that perhaps the local government can step up on that and actually add more value in providing some better welfare to the foreign workers and enforcing the law that ensures that employers do practice what is reasonable and fair and equitable to take care of their foreign workers. The other bit is, as I mentioned earlier, collaboration between local government, if maybe perhaps an extension to agencies between Malaysia and agencies in the source country, such that disappointed agencies uh, have been verified, have been certified that they do business in a decent and, and proper manner. And only this sort of agencies are used in the hiring of foreign workers to mitigate any, you know, any unforeseen circumstances of money being taken from the employee even before they do arrive for employment in Malaysia, perhaps. So that's my perspective of some of the challenges that we hope can be worked on and is currently worked on. Thank you. So really challenges there related to financial resources and government enforcement cooperation with other governments and the wider environment that you work in. So it takes a lot to manage and, and mitigate these risks. Yes. And Samuel, I would like to ask another question focused on smaller enterprises. What would your advice be to an SME that's just getting started on improving their labour and human rights approaches? Where do they start and what have you found to be critical in doing responsible business? That's a very good question. That's that's also a very challenging question to answer, but I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. First of all, it has to start with the organization that has the need to hire foreign labor. Important thing is that the company must have good philosophy, good values. Second to that, the company should hire good and professional human resource individuals because these individuals will help navigate the direction in terms of how recruitment is done. Once you have these two elements put together, then obviously you need to genuinely put into action strategies and action plans to ensure that there is a positive adoption of good equity and good conscience and make that part of the company's DNA, be it from the point of recruitment, be it from the point of payment of wages, be it from the point of housing the employees so that you always look at doing business in a sustainable way and yet doing it in a fair and equitable way such that the employees that you hire, firstly, I think it's important that companies focus on taking care of their safety and their wellness. Uh, wellness in this context is not just the physical but also the emotional, especially in the context of COVID-19, we do know that many employees had some distress with their emotional well-being. And we then try to step up to see how we can assist them. Uh, one way is obviously to refer them for professional medical support. The other way is to understand or to empathize with them the issues that they face. Some of the issues could be from the source country of where their family are, because obviously looking at example, a, a Nepal worker in Malaysia, he may still be employed 
point, but his families who are working in Nepal could have been laid off. So he obviously will, will be facing some emotional distress. And we try to understand and we try to see how we can assist in some ways. One of the ways that we have tried to do is that where there is some financial difficulty in the home country, particularly in the family, one way that employers could help is to consider whether in the case where there is a financial need, whether salaries could be provided in advance so that there is some cushion in terms of financials to the family that may need the money to you know, deal with some issues in Nepal or their home country. I, we also believe that if you adopt good values, you will also benefit in the context of winning the employee's loyalty and that will translate to positive employee productivity. And as a result, actually, the entire organization wins because the employee will do better. They will perform better. Hopefully, company will also be more profitable. And in that context, they will derive better rewards uh, in terms of their bonuses or incentives. And in this case, you know, that would provide better financial well-being to the employees uh, as a whole. I would say that, yes, I think two key elements in ensuring that good labor and human resource practices are adopted is to really drive from the corporate point of view, adopting good corporate values and not just adopting, but really embedding it and really ensuring that it is practiced. And also, as I mentioned, uh, you really, really can cannot underestimate the value of having a good HR team because these are the people that will put on radar the good and practical strategies that should be adopted to ensure that the employee employer is indeed practicing responsible and, and good human resource practices and business practices. So making it really a fundamental way of doing business. Um, I like the reference that you had of uh, the fact that you need to become a workplace of choice and that both the, the workers and the employer benefit from that. Samuel, we're coming to the end of our time together, but I was wondering if you had one final key takeaway for our listeners. Okay, with respect to COVID-19, I think it's a crisis that everyone has faced, irrespective of what nationality you are and where you are in the world. It's a global crisis that we are suddenly hit with. But I think in Asia, I wouldn't say we are driven, but we, we believe in this Chinese saying that in a crisis, there are also opportunities despite the fact that everyone is facing the calamity of you know, suffering in terms of business, um, sales, uh, but there are also opportunities where we can do good. So I would like to say that if the company practices good corporate values, practices good business sense in terms of adopting good and fair equitable recruitment policies, the outcomes that they will get long-term will certainly outweigh the investments that they need to put in, even in the context of a crisis. And in so doing, actually, I think the company will grow financially and also in its well-being in terms of managing employees. Despite the fact that COVID has been a crisis, we were very fortunate that a lot of our employees actually stepped up 
and took up the challenge of still turning up to the office despite the fear of maybe facing someone that may be a COVID-19 uh, positive individual. And we saw that a lot of this resilience in employees and managers actually was something that we really didn't expect, but they really stood out. I think with that, a lot of the employees felt that there was a lot of support Therefore, the company could still continue. So I would like to say that in any crisis, there are always opportunities. And where the opportunities do exist, there are possibilities for us to still run a equitable, fair and dynamic business so long as we don't lose sight of doing something that is sustainable and good for the community around us. I just want to end by just saying also that despite the fact that we were facing a lot of challenges, we never forgot, we never left aside the challenges that the people around us were facing. For example, we knew that in most countries, Malaysia included, the frontliners were still brave enough in fighting the combat against COVID-19. So what we did was, despite the fact that we continued to produce products which we could sell, we also did our part in making sponsorship donations to the frontliners in the hospitals and even with the police and the military who were enforcing the lockdowns because these individuals also needed encouragement. And actually, our employees actually worked in a way, stepped up to work harder in the fact that they knew we were doing all this good for the community. So like I said just now, in the midst of crisis, sometimes if you can see beyond the challenges, um, there are always possibilities of good outcomes as well. Wonderful. Thank you, Samuel. I think that's a great message to end on. We use an expression in other parts of the world, but necessity is the mother of all innovation. And I think that right. in some ways, right. the COVID crisis has very much brought that for us. Yes, yes. Well, we thank you for your time today, Samuel, and we're very grateful you were able to join us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. This is a podcast from the International Labour Organization's Global Business Network on Forced Labour. Visit our website on flbusiness.network for more information. I am the coordinator of the network, Laura Green. Thank you for joining us and look out for our next episode.